listening to the weekly sermon podcast from Mountain City Church. In this series, The Gospel of Luke, Jesus for All, we walk through Luke's account of the life and ministry of Christ. All right. Um, if you have your Bibles, please turn to Luke chapter 5. We're going to continue our study of the book of Luke. Um, just want to start by just kind of reminding you where we have been, just to kind of catch us up a little bit as we shift gears. We talked about Palm Sunday. We talked about Resurrection Day the last two weeks and kind of diverted from the book of Luke. Um, but I just want to re- remind you where Luke has brought us so far as he's teaching us who Jesus is and all that he has done. And here where we find uh, just before our passage today, Jesus' ministry has begun. It's, um, it's time to go. The Father's time has come. His purpose is to come and preach the good news to the poor. Um, his proclamation ministry is also accompanied with authority. Authority when he preaches, authority to cast out demons, authority to heal people. And we saw that in chapter 4. As we turn the pages, the page to chapter 5, Jesus calls his first disciples. Those who will hear the words of Jesus, those who will see the power of Jesus, and those who will respond to call to Jesus. And right before Easter, that was the charge at the beginning of chapter 5 for all of us who follow Jesus, that we will hear his word, that we see his power, and that we will follow his call, that we will respond to his call. And his call, of course, is to leave everything behind and follow him. And what Luke did, he taught us through Peter that listening to his word, seeing his power, increases our faith. It increases our faith where we looked at Peter went from seeing Jesus as just a teacher, right, before they let the nets down. And then whenever they pulled the nets up, he got on his face and said, you're Lord. And then we also went forward in, in Luke and saw that the next time Jesus, I mean, Peter was out fishing and Jesus was over on the shore and where Peter was cowering in a boat because of his sin, his faith has grown so much that instead of cowering because of his sin, whenever he saw Jesus and John said, that's Jesus sitting on the shore, he actually ran out of the boat and ran to Jesus. And that's what we're all called to do with our sin, is we are to run to the Savior. No matter what we have done, his forgiveness and his grace is there. Not only does it strengthen us, but our faith allows us to draw near to God. It allows us to draw near to Him. I would even argue that it should cause us to draw near to Him. Right? That it should be the, the response of all that He has done for us is that we want to be with Him. We want to draw near to Him. And also we have the Holy Spirit dwelling in us that is, is bringing us to Him, bringing us to the throne through His Word and through His work. Listen to how the writer of Hebrews puts it. And without faith, it is impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. In our passage today, we're going to see faith on display in two different stories. So turn with me again to Luke 5. We're going to begin at verse 12 and we're going to read clear down to verse 26 and then I'll pray for us. We'll dive in. So Luke 5, beginning at verse 12. While he was in one of the cities, there came a man full of leprosy. And when he saw Jesus, he fell on his face and begged him, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. 
And Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him, saying, I will be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him. And he charged him to tell no one, but go and show yourself to the priests and make an offering for your cleansing, as Moses commanded for a proof to them. Verse 15, but now even more, the report about him went abroad and great crowds gathered to hear him and to be healed of their infirmities. But he would withdraw to desolate places and pray. One of those days as he was teaching, Pharisees and, and teachers of the law were sitting there who had come from every village of Galilee and Judea and from Jerusalem. And the power of the Lord was with him to heal. And behold, some men were bringing on a bed a man who was paralyzed. And they were seeking to bring him in and lay him before Jesus. But finding no way to bring him in because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and let down let him down with his bed through the tiles into the midst before Jesus. And when he saw their faith, he said, Man, your sins are forgiven. And the scribes and the Pharisees began to question, saying, Who is this who speaks blasphemies? Who could forgive sins but God alone? When Jesus perceived their thoughts, he answered them, Why do you question in your hearts? Which is easier to say, Your sins are forgiven, you, or to say, Rise and walk? But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He said to the man who was paralyzed, I say to you, rise up, pick up your bed, and go home. And immediately he rose up before them and picked up what he had been lying on and went home, glorifying God. And all amazement seized them all, and they glorified God and were filled with awe, saying, We have seen extraordinary things today. Let's pray. Father, what extraordinary things that Jesus did while on earth, showing us who he is, that, that he is God and he has the ability to forgive sins. Father, today we see faith on display. Lord, I pray as we walk through this and see this, Lord, that our faith will grow today. Lord, that we will trust in you more. That we will turn even more of our life over to you. And Father, today as we see all that Jesus has done, Lord, I pray that you will fill our hearts with gratitude, fill our hearts with true joy, joy that lasts in all circumstances. Lord, I pray that you would grant these things through your spirit and your word. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Over in India, there are people that they call the untouchables. And they are the ultimate outcasts. Members of the lowest caste in the Hindu community. Caste is just a social class. They spend their entire lives outside the socially acceptable relationships of Indian society. They are so ostracized that generally they do not receive the ordinary protection of Indian law. They are considered too impure, too polluted, too rank as worthy beings. They are shunned, insulted, banned from temples and higher caste homes, made to eat and drink from separate utensils in public places, and in extreme but not uncommon cases, are raped, burned, lynched, and gunned down. Because the untouchables are considered physically and ceremonially unclean, they are required to do any work 
that involves physical contact with blood, excrement, and other bodily defilements as defined by Hindu law. Untouchables cremate the dead, clean latrines, remove dead animals from the roads, tan hides, sweep gutters. These jobs and the status of the untouchability are passed down for generations. Nobody wants to be an untouchable. Nobody even wants to touch one. In our story today, Jesus once met a man who was equally untouchable. While he was in one of the cities, there came a man full of leprosy. And the word leprosy in the Bible has to do with the skin disease. Maybe not so much the Hansen's disease, but certainly that much. But this man was full of leprosy. And if you know anything about leprosy, it, it numbs the ends of your fingers. It numbs things where you can actually mutilate yourself just by hitting something and not even know that it happened. But this man that he met, it's like those untouchables, he was full of leprosy. But before we go into his story, we need a little bit of background. We actually need to go back into our Bibles and get a little bit of background to see why this, this story was put in here by Luke and why it was so amazing and maybe even why the Pharisees were so upset about what he said about forgiving sin. We need to see the background to actually see the astonishing thing Jesus did. We need to see the background to understand what everyone around him was thinking and seeing. And we need to see the background so that we can understand the leper's faith. The leper's faith that came into the city in order to be healed. So turn with me, if you will, to clear back to your Bible to Numbers 5. Numbers Chapter 5. Now there's a little bit of a danger here. As I read this place in Numbers, you might think of the untouchable story that I just read and say, wow, it's similar. Well, it is similar, and maybe they got this idea from that, but they're using it obviously to put people down. But God, in His wisdom and His ways, had different reasons for doing what we're about to read in Numbers 5, verses 1 through 4. And it really helps us when we understand the background, understand of all these Jewish people that's in this city, and they're watching what is unfolding. Right? We have two simple stories of a leper coming into a city and crying out to Christ to be healed. And then we have another story of some friends, their faith on display, bringing this paralyzed man to Jesus because they heard that this man, Jesus, he can heal people. And they couldn't get in, but they drop him in through the roof so that Jesus can see him. We read in Numbers 5 this. Listen to what the Lord of God says. The Lord spoke to Moses saying, Command the people of Israel that they put out of the camp everyone who is leprous or has a discharge and everyone who is unclean through contact with the dead. So, Put them outside the camp. Now, there's, there's three categories here. There's the leprosy, the one with the discharge, and the dead person. So Luke is going to deal with the leprosy here in chapter 5. And later on in chapter 8, if you don't follow along today, we're going to get a second chance to follow along. Because he brings about the, the woman with the discharge and the dead person in Luke 8 and showing us God's power and Jesus' power. Verse 3 says, You shall put out both male and female, putting them outside the camp, that they may not defile the camp. 
in the midst of which I dwell. Remember, this is the Lord talking to Moses. Verse 4, And the people of Israel did so, and put them outside the camp. As the Lord said to Moses, so the people of Israel did. Hang on to this. We're going to need this all the way through today. I, I was shown this along with Matt and I, maybe Rebecca and Derek was there for this in 2014. I've been hanging on to this. This, this is called the Gospel by Numbers by Lig Duncan. He put this connection together. Now, most of what I'm going to say isn't from that sermon, but that was the only sermon that I've ever been part of is when Lig Duncan got done that 12,000 Mostly pastors rose to their feet, not because Lig Duncan did an awesome job, because they actually saw who Jesus Christ truly is. And I, I'm praying that the Lord, maybe today, will move you down the path of truly seeing who he is. So get this idea. They had the camp. They're out in the middle of the desert. And God gives Moses this thing. He says, now these people, these certain people, you need to put them outside of the camp. Not just to put them down, but God has his reasons. And it's twofold. First, it's for their protection. And the second one is because he is holy. Remember, if you read here, it says in verse 3, in the midst of which I dwell. God was in the camp, in, in the tent of meeting. He was there. God was in the camp. And God is an undefiled God. He is perfectly holy and cannot be in the presence of anything unholy. Or as our passage says, defiled. Anything that can be defiled. This is for their protection. Get that? This is for their protection. So they do not die. Remember the lesson learned by Uzzah? Reaching out and touching the holy ark? He died instantly. This is for their protection. What this is, is what we're reading in Numbers 5, is a law. And this law, along with other laws that are found in Numbers, Deuteronomy, and Leviticus, are there to teach us about God. They're to teach us about God is holy. They're there to teach us that God is present. They're there to teach us that God has spoken. He is a speaking God. Not only is he doing this because he is present in the camp, but he's also doing this for their protection. Not from death, but just their protection from the people. They had no antibiotics. They did not have the absolute kindness of God's grace that we benefit from with all the advanced medicine that we have today. People were put outside the camp in order to protect the two other million people inside the camp. Their quarantine was outside of the camp. It was outside of the camp. And this, this had to be hard because if something happened to your 10-year-old daughter or your you know, your eight-year-old son, they would go outside the camp with the rest of the people. And this wasn't thinking of society like today. I mean, you think they're in the desert and you go outside the camp, you go outside of the protection of the mass of people. But they had to go outside of the camp. They were quarantined outside the camp. Touching anything dead had to happen outside of the camp. Touching anything dead had to happen outside of the camp. So even the sacrifices for sin that are made for forgiveness happened outside the camp. The animal was slaughtered and the animal was burnt outside of the camp. 
And then those were brought inside so the high priest can go in and offer the sacrifice for the forgiveness of sins. But it all happened outside of the camp. If you came in contact with a defiled person, you then became defiled. That's what happened. Both physically, but also in God's eyes. Right? Leprosy is very contagious. Many of these other things are very contagious. They had no antibiotics. It's, it was just whatever God gave them in their immune system. So it was for their protection. So let's go back to the story in Luke. Now, we're all Israel. We're, we're all people of Israel now. As we're looking at this account of what's happening here. We know what happened in Numbers. We know God's law. We know what he said. We, we, they, our, our ancestors practiced it. They passed it down to us. In fact, most of it we have memorized because ever since we were a little wee old person, they taught us what this Old Testament said. So put ourselves in this place. Now we're in a town. These people know this. And think about the leper. What kind of faith did it take knowing that if you have leprosy, you do not go inside the camp. There are consequences if you go inside the camp. Now, there might not be a camp here, but there definitely is a city, right? Now, going back to our story in Luke, look with me at verse 12. While he was in one of the cities, there came a man full of leprosy. And when he saw Jesus, he fell on his face and begged him, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. If you will, you can see his faith on display. Not only is he trusting in Jesus that he can actually cleanse him. Now, there's an awful lot of ink spilled trying to figure out how did this man know about Jesus if he's always outside the camp. But there's always people that would, would love on those that were outside the camp by giving them food and different things. And maybe the, the word got to him that there's this man, Jesus, who was healing people. So he goes inside the city or inside the camp, if you will. You see his faith not only trusting that Jesus can heal him, but also his faith saying, it doesn't matter. I, I need to be healed. I need to be touched by Christ. And then what does Jesus do? Jesus does the unthinkable. Remember, we're all sitting here. We know what happens. If you touch the defiled person, you become defiled. Not only may you get leprosy, but you are defiled in God's eyes. What do we see Jesus do in verse 13? And Jesus stretched out his hand. And we're all screaming, Jesus, don't touch him. Don't touch him. If you touch him, you will become defiled. Don't touch him. But Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him, saying, I will be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him. I will be clean. Do you see his faith on display? He heard about this man named Jesus who was healing people and casting out demons. Could he possibly help me? This man has probably lived away from his family for a long time. Who knows when the last time another human being actually touched him. Right? Because if you touch the defiled, you become defiled. But Jesus reached out and he touched him. He reached out and touched him. 
This is faith on display. If you will, not if you can, if you will, you can make me clean. Our definition of of faith that we've been using over and over again, I'll continue to use, is understanding that leads to conviction. Well, we see this. We see this man's faith. He understood that this man, Jesus, could possibly heal him if he wills to do so. It leads to conviction, conviction enough to go back into the city, even though he's not welcome, and to approach Jesus and say, if you will, will you heal me? In faith, that leads to understanding, that leads to a conviction, it completes itself in commitment. Well, is there any greater commitment than going back into that city? Knowing that he's not welcome, knowing what every Jewish person around knows about those with leprosy from what we've learned from Numbers It shows great trust. It shows great conviction. And it shows great commitment on this man. He trusted Jesus. He trusted God. And brothers and sisters, our view of God will have a profound effect on how much you trust him. What you think of God and who you think he is absolutely has a profound effect on how much you trust him, how much you understand who he is. That's why we want everyone to read the word. That's why God has called us to do so. So we learn who God is. If we do not believe that he is sovereign and good, trust will actually be an elusive thing. For a God who is loving but not in control, as J.I. Packer says, is simply a heavenly Santa Claus who means well, but cannot always insulate his children from trouble and grief. Such a God offers little security or hope in the face of affliction and fails to inspire either trust or obedience. So why is it important to have such a high view of God, a, a true view of who God is? Well, first of all, he's so amazing that he deserves that, but it also affects our faith and affects our trust. If we have the correct view of God, that he is sovereign and he is good. In other words, whatever he's bringing into your life may not feel good. And and we're not just supposed to put on a fake smile and say, oh, I'm happy this is happening. No one, the Bible never tells us that. But we can have complete confidence that whatever he brings in our, our life is for our good. He's working us, our sanctification out for us. He's working in us. But if he is sovereign and he is good, you will be able to trust him and obey him, even in the midst of difficult circumstances. It really doesn't get much difficult than having leprosy, being full of leprosy. He says, Jesus, if you will, you can make me clean. And Jesus does the most unthinkable thing. What did he do? He reached out. He reached out and he touched him. Oh, the compassion of our Lord and Savior on display. Jesus reaches out and touches a man who has not in a long time, if ever, had human contact. And here is the amazing part. Jesus not, did not come, become defiled. The man became clean. Who is this man? He touches the defiled and he does not become defiled, but they become clean. 
Who is this man? It is the Son of God. That is who it is. See, we see here that Jesus can do what the law cannot do. What it will never do. Look what he says to the leper in verse 14. He tells this man that he just healed. He says this, and he charged him to tell no one, but go and show yourself to the priests and make an offering for your cleansing, as Moses commanded for proof to them. In other words, he had to go to the priest to get a clean bill of health so that he can be brought back into community. Community with the other believers, with the other um, nation of Israel. He'd, he'd be brought back in. First show me that you're clean, and then we can allow you to back in. See, Jesus can do what the law cannot do. The law only tells you what to do if a person becomes clean. Leper is now clean. Show the priest that you're clean. But the law does not tell the priest how to make anyone clean. He cannot. There is no instruction for the priest or the high priest to make people clean, only what to do when they are clean already. And Jesus tells the leper to do just that. See, nobody can make someone clean but Jesus. That is the gospel. This is not what you do, but what Christ has done for you. That is the gospel. God made flesh, Jesus, the only mediator of God's people. Brothers and sisters, if we are not purified from our sin, therefore, it is not because Jesus is not willing. It is because we have not yet trusted him for forgiveness through his death on the cross. Jesus cleanses everyone who comes to him in faith, as the leper did. Therefore, whatever ails us, we may trust in Jesus and experience his healing touch. We know the song. We sing it often. What can wash away my sin? What can make me whole again? For my pardon, this I see. For my cleansing, cleansing, this my plea. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. So Jesus heals this leper, but now even more, the report about him, that we see this in verse 15, went abroad and great crowds gathered to hear him and to be healed of their infirmities. Verse 16, but he would withdraw to desolate places and pray. He would withdraw and pray. So what does Jesus do with his fame? I mean, this is, a, I mean, whenever Jesus starts speaking, there's people come from all over. People are following him all around. What does he do with his fame? Does he boast how awesome he is? Does he send out a tweet or an Instagram? Look, here's the healed leper. Check it out. No, he doesn't. What does he do? He withdraws to spend time with his father. He withdraws to spend time with his father. Because this is where his help comes from. And brothers and sisters, this is where our help comes from. It comes from spending time with God. In his word, with his people, and just in prayer. Many of you have probably heard Martin Luther's quote where he was, he was talking about all the things he had to do during that day. And what has he said? I have so much to do that I shall spend the first three hours in prayer. 
Because if we're, we're not communing with God and we're not spending time with God, then that means we're doing everything in our own strength. Man, I've tried that. That's just a bummer. I so much more like spending time with the Father and allow the Spirit to guide me and move me. Never perfectly, not until we're glorified. But how much better is that than trying to do everything in our own strength? This concept, this principle that Luther is trying to teach in this simple comment that, yeah, you might have so much to do, but if you don't spend some time with the Lord, then you're doing it all in your own strength. And maybe some of the things that you're supposed to do, you don't do because they're not within his will and and he lets them go. I have so much to do that I shall spend the first three hours in prayer. See, this leper's faith drew him to God. If you will, you can make me clean. Not only does our faith draw us to God, but the same faith will want others to experience the same blessing. Not only that our faith draws us to be with God and spend time with God, we want others to experience the same thing that God has given us. We will do anything to get people to Jesus. We'll do anything to tell them who he is and all that he has done. And this is exactly what we see in the second story. Starting in verse 17, on one of those days as he was teaching, Pharisees and teachers of the law were sitting there who had come from every village of Galilee and Judea and from Jerusalem. And the power of the Lord was with him to heal. And behold, some men were bringing on a bed a man who was paralyzed. And they were seeking to bring him in and lay him before Jesus. But finding no way to bring him in because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and let him down with his bed through the tiles into the midst before Jesus. And when he saw their faith, he said, man, your sins are forgiven you. And when he saw their faith, not only the man, the men that, that lowered the man, you know, ripped the guy's roof off and dropped the, uh, their, their friend down into the thing. But their faith, that has to be the man laying in the bed also. Your sins are forgiven. I mean, think about this. You're, you're sitting in somebody's house listening to Jesus preach, and all of a sudden you hear some noise above you. <laughs> and, and some guys like rip off the roof to drop this man down. It must have been like a really dramatic moment. Again, this large, impressive crowd is gathered. They've all stuffed themselves in this house, and they're probably hanging out around the house. And these men could not get their friend to Jesus. Even religious leaders from as far as Jerusalem were there, possibly to investigate Jesus, which shows how famous he had become. There were so many people that it was impossible for anyone else to get inside the building. So these men found a solution. They went up the side of the steps. And again, we're just going to dig open the roof and drop him in. This story is a a powerful example of Christian compassion. These men loved their brother. And when they saw that something could be done about his disability, they did everything in their power to get him the help that he needed. Because what people need most, brothers and sisters, what our loved ones our neighbors, our co-workers, those that are not in Christ, what they need most is a personal encounter with Jesus Christ. So we should do whatever we can to bring them to a place where they experience his healing touch. 
And the amazing thing is, is he has chose to use his children to do this. As we read in our Corinthian passage, we are agents of reconciliation. We are his ambassadors. We are the ones to go out and tell others this wonderful news of what Christ has done. We don't need a 10-point convincing argument. Tell them the news. The power is in the news. What has Christ done? Whom do you know that needs to know Jesus? To what lengths are you willing to go in order to introduce them? We must always remember that's our job. We introduce. We plant the seed. God comes along, waters it, and causes it to grow. We plant the seed. We just introduce them. Let me tell you about this Jesus. And you know, it's really, really hard to introduce to somebody that you really don't know or spend time with. Like, how would I introduce somebody to my wife if I never spend time with her, if I don't know her? It's hard. That's why it's so important to spend time with him. These men set a worthy example in many ways. But what Jesus especially admired about them was their faith. It was their faith. He could see that they trusted in him. Why else would they go to so much trouble to bring their friend to see him? Why would they, why would they go through all that trouble? I mean, who, we don't know how long they carried their friend. We don't know what the ramifications of ripping some dude's roof off his house was. But they cared enough to do so. They cared enough to do so. Obviously, they had a trusting faith in his power to heal. They also had a persistent faith, one not easily discouraged, right? We can't get to him, well, we're going to find a way to get to him. And it was by this faith that the paralytic was healed. For when Jesus saw their faith, he said, man, your sins are forgiven you. See, God does not forgive our sins on the basis of someone else's faith. It's not faith that is handed down. It's not faith because you attend a certain church. It is your faith. As we talked about last week, it has to be personal. You have to see that you have sinned before God. In fact, what you have to see is that you are defiled before God. Because that's what sin does. It defiles us. To be forgiven, we must put our own personal trust in Jesus. As this man did. And this caused the stir. As Nate alluded to or before we sang that last song, the Pharisees and the teachers, they question in their heart. We see this in verse 21 and 22 through 24. And the scribes and the Pharisees began to question, saying, Who is this who speaks blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? When Jesus perceived their thoughts, he answered them, Why do you question in your hearts? Which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven you, or to say, rise and walk? But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He said to the man who was paralyzed, I say to you, rise, pick up your bed, and go home. And immediately he rose up before them and picked up what he had been lying on and went home, glorifying God. 
And amazement seized them all. And they glorified God and were filled with awe, saying, We have seen extraordinary things today. The point of this narrative is that the problem is sin. Yes, the, the immediate need that, that, the, that the men were bringing this, their friend to is he can't walk. That is a huge problem. But there was a greater need. There was a greater need in this man's life. A greater need was to be forgiven of sin. The fundamental problem of humanity that Jesus comes to counteract is that of which sin causes. Compared to the healing, the forgiveness of sins is by far the greater gift. It is by far the greater gift. Here Luke is drawing us into the heart of the gospel. Jesus had preached the gospel. He cast out demons, healed the sick, called disciples, and cleansed the leper. But now he was meeting an even deeper need. He was making a man right with God through the forgiveness of his sins. A gift that would last for all eternity. A gift that would last for all eternity. Because once your sins are forgiven, once you are in Christ, once you are born again, we are brought into a living hope. A living hope that cannot be taken away. But the question remains, how does he do this? How does Jesus forgive sins? How does he touch a defiled person and not become defiled, but the defiled person becomes clean? How does that happen? How does he touch each of us in our defilement of sin and make us clean? How does he do that? We've got to go back to the camp. And the writer of Hebrews 13 tells us how Christ does this. Remember, outside the camp, we're the only place that the dead things were touched. The burnt offering was made. The animals were sacrificed. They were brought into the camp and taken to the Holy of Holies. That all happened outside of the camp. So how is it Jesus can touch a defiled person and they become clean? How is it that he can touch our defilement of sin and we become clean? Well, he, the writer of Hebrews 13 tells us, We have an altar from which those who serve the tent have no right to eat. For the bodies of those animals whose blood is brought into the holy place by the holy priest is a sacrifice for sin are burned outside of the camp. And here comes the good news. Right here in verse 12. So Jesus also suffered outside the gate in order to sanctify the people through his own blood. Therefore, let us go to him outside the camp and bear the reproach he endured. What is the writer of Hebrews saying? He's saying those who serve at the altar have no right to eat. He's talking about the high priest. And he's referring to us because of what Christ has done outside the camp. He is saying that we have something better than the ceremonial law. Remember, the law cannot cleanse. It can only affirm that you have been cleansed. 
What did Jesus do for us? He suffered outside the camp. He suffered on that cross outside of the camp for each one of us. He went out to the defiled. He went out and was defiled outside of the camp for each one of us. See, brothers and sisters, every single person, remember I said that inside the camp, who dwelled there? God did. If you're outside of the camp, you're being cut off by God. You're being cut off from God, sorry. You're being cut off from God. You're being cut off from the presence of God. To be outside the camp is to be cut off from the presence of God. This is what defilement deserves. This is what our sin deserves. Let's go back to the garden. Adam and Eve, they walked freely with God. They sinned. And what happened to them? They were put outside of the camp. They were put outside of the camp. And in fact, there was God made provision that they couldn't get back in. But he did make them a promise that one day the serpent crusher would come. And that we could come back into the camp. See, outside the camp is is to be cut off from the presence of God. And Jesus said, Father, I want to do that. Because I love them. I want to do that for them. I will go outside the camp and be cut off. And that's exactly what he did on the cross. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He was cut off from the presence of God for you and me. Sinless Jesus did not hear the Lord bless you and keep you. Jesus heard the Lord curse you and cut you off. So that you and I can hear, Lord bless you and keep you. See, Jesus went outside the camp and took the wrath of God in our place so that you can dwell inside the camp in the presence of God for all eternity by faith in him. 2 Corinthians 5.21 reads, For our sake, for our sake, he made him to be sin." Who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Let's pray. Father, I just pray that your spirit can help us see our defilement today to see our sin Lord I pray that your spirit will help us if not for the first time today but whatever number it might be to put our trust and faith into the one who went outside the camp who was cut off so that we may be brought in 
Father, maybe today we come in with a heavy burden and we're struggling with some things. Maybe life is just pressed in on us. Well, God's asking you to go to him just like the leper. Go to him just like these men did with their friend. Go to him. Go to the foot of the cross. He is there waiting for you. Christ is our mediator. He is at the right hand of the Father right now, praying for each one of his children. Praying for us right now. Go to him. Father, I pray that you would just help us see how much you love us. Father, we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the weekly sermon podcast from Mountain City Church. To learn more about our church, visit our website at mountaincty.church. Thanks again, and may the Lord bless your week.